Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, 4-H Canada Leadership Excellence Awards of Distinction recognize outstanding members who show values in the way they live their lives. The awards honor youth who have become exceptional leaders through their 4-H experience and who share the best of themselves and the community. Kate Axton from Saskatchewan is one of the recipients of the $20,000 scholarship for her post-secondary education. Kate will talk about the award and her passion for agriculture. Kendall Wicks was looking for a story about combining to share with her young son. When she couldn't find one, she decided to write her own. A Harvest Story is now part of the Agriculture in the Classroom resources. Kendall will talk about the process of getting the story printed and the response that she has received so far. After the break, Kate Axton. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Talking with Kate Axton, and she is one of the recipients of 4-H Canada's LEAD Awards. This is a really big deal, Kate. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you very much. So um, there are four of these scholarships that are presented across the country, and you were the recipient of one of them in one specific category, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But first of all, what was your reaction when you found out that uh, you were one of the four that was going to receive this uh, this huge scholarship? Oh, my gosh. I was very excited and really honored. It was, I've applied, I applied for a lot of scholarships this year, but this was one scholarship that I was really, really felt like I put a lot into and I was really hoping that I would get. So I was really excited when I got it. Let's talk first of all about your 4-H background. Uh, what an amazing program. And, and I think uh, a lot of people might have this impression that they think of the beef shows and sales and different kind of 4-H groups that are out there. But uh, Maybe give us a a little taste of what 4-H was like for you growing up and how you were involved and where. Sure. So I'm part of the Radville 4-H Field Crops Club. And so, yeah, there's not a lot of 4-H crops clubs. So I was really lucky that I was able to be a part of one since I grew up on a grain farm. And that's kind of everything that I know. So Crops Club is kind of about you come to the club and you have – We are allocated like certain acres on your farm. And so you kind of watch your crop grow and you keep track of that. And that's kind of the basis of the crops club. But then on top of that, it's a normal 4-H year. So we do public speaking and, you know, keeping track of our record book and different things like that. So that's kind of, yeah, a bit of a little bit of a rundown of my 4-H experience. I've had the pleasure to uh, judge a few 4-H competitions uh, locally and regionally. The public speaking may not be a favorite of everyone, but do you find that that has been helpful for you? It absolutely has. Public speaking actually ended up being one of my favorite parts of 4-H, which I feel like it can be something that turns away a lot of kids from 4-H, but it's definitely been one of the best experiences. I've been able to go to uh, the public speaking provincials a couple times, and it's been yeah. Public speaking is one of the yeah the best opportunities I think that 4-H has to offer actually. 
Your family farm is at Minton, which is uh, southern Saskatchewan, close to the U.S. border. Your parents are Derek and Tannis, who were Saskatchewan outstanding young farmers, I think in 2017, <laughs> if I've got that right. And yes. they've never, they've ne- I've never gotten the impression from them that they've ever been afraid to try something new and something different. And regenerative agriculture has been a big part of that most recently. So how much of an impact did that have on you watching, learning, participating in the farm, and and helping to determine a direction for your future? Yeah, I think that's played a large part in, you know, my passion for agriculture and food and everything. It's, yeah, trying something new and, you know, following what you love is definitely something that's been role modeled very well for me. So growing up uh, on a farm that uses a lot of regenerative practices, it's all I've really known. So I think that instilled, like, a special love of agriculture for me because it was, like, Watching my parents love what they do so much, it just made me love it even more. And then as I have learned more about it and more about the connection of, you know, how your, you know, crops are grown or how something is grown connects to the health of it. And then that's kind of where I've really been interested in food and things. And that's what kind of led me to, to the program that I'm in now, which is international food business um, at Dalhousie. So, yeah, I think it's really helped shape everything that I've been interested in and want to continue to do. Now, these uh, 4-H awards, as I mentioned earlier, there were four. So yours was at the agriculture and food security category. And uh, so tell us about what you're doing at Dalhousie. And you mentioned the program itself. So maybe give us a little bit of a sense of how, how a farm kid from Saskatchewan ends up at Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia thinking <laughs> in, in this particular line. What kind of pulled you that way? Right. So it's definitely the program that's taken me all the way out here. So yeah, so the program's called International Food Business, and it's pretty much the only one in the world like it. And the really the only way I found it was I really just searched the, the two things that I love, which is food and business. And it, yeah, I ended up finding International Food Business, which is really about, um, kind of, I learn about the food system, not, but not only in Canada, but internationally, because in my second year of study, I actually will be going to the Netherlands um, to study international food business, which is really exciting. And I think it's going to be able to help me get a real global view of the food system, which is something that I'm really excited about. What will the future hold for Kate Axton after you complete your degree? <laughs> More education, uh, the work world. Uh, I know it's it's early on and lots can change in, in the course of, uh, you know, three or four years. But uh, where, where do you yeah. envision yourself uh, after you complete your degree? So, yeah, I'm not 100% sure, which <laughs> I know not a lot of people usually are. But I'm really hoping that, like, through my four years, I'm able to kind of understand more what opportunities are for me. I definitely can see myself continuing in the sustainable agriculture and food security world. I know that's kind of where I'll be. But through my program, I have um, two work terms, one in Canada and one in Europe. So I'm hoping through that and through, you know, my more education through my four years, I'll kind of be able to see what I really what else is out there. Because the agri-food world is so broad and there's so much to do. Um, I definitely can see myself maybe in the entrepreneur world. I feel like I do have a really business mind and I like that. So maybe, maybe that's where you'll see me. 
Yeah, perfect. Lots of work ahead of you, but very exciting. Um, this this particular program is going to give you an awful lot of opportunity to travel. Is uh, yeah. is the the chance of of being away and working away something that you'd like to do or traveling more? Yeah, I think so. I think there's lots to learn, especially just around the world. So yeah, I think traveling is a great way to learn about you know the different food systems that are in place and the different things that are going on. So yes, definitely. Kate, if you have some advice for some young 4-Hers out there, this is a very exciting time for you. But uh, sometimes when it's public speaking time and record book time, it's a little bit of a struggle. So if you have any advice to give to young 4-Hers out there, uh, what would that be? Um, I think my advice would be, actually, this is what my 4-H speech is on this year. I would say that Sometimes you have to create your own opportunities. I know that coming from a small town in Saskatchewan, it can be really hard to feel like there's no, there's nothing to do. And, you know, like I have to do exactly what my parents did or exactly what everyone else is doing. But follow your passion, create opportunities, do what you love. And that's, yeah, that's my advice. Kate, it was great talking to you all the way in Nova Scotia from all the way in Saskatchewan. And uh, <laughs> con- congratulations again on the award and that amazing accomplishment. And uh, all the best to you in the future. All right. Thank you so much. Kate Axton was one of four recipients across Canada to receive a prestigious $20,000 scholarship from 4-H Canada. After the break, Kendall Wicks will share more about her new book, called A Harvest Story that's part of the curriculum for agriculture in the classroom. Digging into the topics that matter to you, The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Kendall Wicks is the author of a new book called A Harvest Story, and it is now part of the Agriculture in the Classroom Saskatchewan uh, materials that are being shared with educators and students right across the province. So, Kendall, thanks so much for joining us today. And maybe first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, talk about uh, your farming operation. Sure. So I actually grew up in Cabri. This is my hometown. I came back. Um, I went to the U of S to become a teacher and, and I taught in Kindersley and then I taught in Abbey and eventually back into my hometown. And, um, I live here with my husband and our son, Ben. And last year we moved, my parents retired and moved to Swift Current and we moved out to the farm and, and we've been in the process of taking over the farming operation for a little while now, but, um, just have moved out there physically, um, last year. And so I definitely don't coin myself a farmer by any stretch. I help where I can and I, I help move equipment and I help keep the lunch pails full and all of that. But, um, my, my husband is definitely the farmer and, and I pitch in where I can. So yeah, I teach uh, science four to 12 at Cambridge school and, and living on the farm. We have some I've added some hobbies to, to our farm. I keep bees as a, as a hobby, and, and that's a passion of mine. I have a couple hives out there, and, and then we added chickens as well. So uh, tell me uh, about A Harvest Story, this book that uh, we're hearing about that uh, is uh, getting a lot of traction from other educators, and uh, maybe tell us about what inspired you to write this story. Sure. So when my son was little, um, I was, I always said, you know, I'll buy any books you want, you know, high interest. I wanted to immerse Ben in books and make sure that he had things that he wanted to read. And, you know, we made a point every night of reading when we could and, 
And so, you know, what are you interested in? What do you want to read? And, and he kept asking for a combine story, a combine story. And, and so when I went looking, there was nothing. There was no such thing. Um, there, you could find, you know, a tractor or, or um, some American books about harvesting corn more so, but nothing that really captured harvest on the Canadian prairies and, and in particular in Saskatchewan and, and in the environment that he was growing up with, with having two sets of grandparents on the farm. Um, and so it, it was it there the connection was never there in the books that I could find um, so one night after I tucked him into bed I, I went down so my son is 13 years old now and I wrote this when he was two and I went down into the basement and I sat down and it was just like a really crazy experience where the the, the lines of the book just kind of fell out of me onto my computer and and I really I wrote it in probably 20 minutes and I would go back, you know, every few months, and I'd tweak a word here and change a stanza there and, and whatever, and it just kind of sat on my computer. And one day I print, I was kind of satisfied with it. I printed it off. I showed it to my mom. and She said, Kendall, this is really good. Like, this would be a great children's book. And then, you know, life is busy. I had a toddler. I was teaching and, and just sat there for 10 years. It sat on my computer. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, for Father's Day, I turned it into a photo album with farming pictures from our family farm, and I and my mom kind of passed it around to some friends, and they said this is really good. And so during COVID, when I had a little bit of time back, and my son, of course, <laughs> is older and a little more independent, I thought, okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue something here. And as a teacher, as a science teacher, I have used egg in the classroom resources tons over my years of teaching and I have always loved their resources. I've always really valued that their resources were free to teachers and and super user-friendly and just great quality resources and so I thought I'm going to reach out to them and see what they think and um, so I did and they asked me to send them a copy of the book and I sent them pictures of what I had and they got back to me right away and they're like we love it we'd like to go forward with it and that's that's sort of the inspiration and, and how it evolved. And you mentioned that you've used Ag in the Classroom resources. For someone who is an educator, a teacher, uh, and you've talked about how much you've enjoyed using it, what kind of a difference has it made for you and for other teachers to have those kind of resources at hand now that even 15, 20 years ago weren't available? Yeah, well, I think that the great thing about Ag in the Classroom is it's all it's all so applicable to our kids in this province. Like they make it so user-friendly. They make it so easy for kids to connect to, whether they've grown up on a farm or not. Um, they can look out their window and it, it, they can make those connections. And, you know, lots of times when we have to order or when we want to order resources as educators, we get things and it's like, mm, that doesn't quite fit with what we're doing or, oh, that wasn't what I thought it was or it's not very user-friendly. And honestly, everything I've ever gotten from Ag in the Classroom is, is so great. And, and it's free to educators, right? Like they, they provide those things for free through their, their sponsorship and whatnot. And so it, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful to be now a contributor to that program. Tell me about the illustrator, Les- Lesia Karalash. Um, I've, I've only seen a few pictures, but they're, it's a lovely looking book. Um, what can you tell us about Lesia and her work? Yeah, so Sarah Shimko, uh, who is the, the person who worked with at Egg in the Classroom, 
her and I talked about an illustrator and, and I said, you know, I have some friends and some relative, distant relatives who might be interested in illustrating. So we, we all, we kind of went back out and, and shoulder tapped and talked to different people and came back to the table and, and Sarah said, I have a few people in mind. And I said, you know, whatever you think is great, but my one request is that the author be from Saskatchewan. And I think when you do see the book and when you see the illustrations, I mean, you just know that that person has grown up on the Saskatchewan prairies. Like you just, she has captured the feel of the prairie skies in a way that I think someone who who hasn't lived here could never do. Um, she's got beautiful night skies, uh, beautiful dusk, beautiful northern lights are included in the book. Um, and I just think it was so important to me that it was someone from Saskatchewan, and Lesia has just done a phenomenal job. Um, she was so great to work with. She would do panels. You know, we'd go a couple pages at a time. She would do do up some panels um, for pre-approval. We would sit down on a Zoom meet together. I've I've actually never met Lesia or Sarah face-to-face. <laughs> we completely published this book through Zoom. Zoom, um, yeah, and yeah. She, yeah, she would pull up the, the panels that she had done, and we would tweak details here and there. Leslie is from Saskatchewan, but she grew up on a farm, so little things about equipment or, or details that Sarah and I know from growing up on the farm that we couldn't miss. Um, we would say, you know, you got to add this in or tweak that. But, I mean, in general, her images would come back, and we would just be totally blown away at what a great job she had done. I understand that uh, the book is going like hotcakes, Um, My last word, I think it was 145 um, orders were made by teachers for this this story. That's fantastic. Yeah, so Egg in the Classroom, their commitment was that on their end, so they would publish the book, and as long as I gave them permission to distribute that for free to, to educators in schools, and of course that was what I wanted as well. And so they've had an overwhelming response from um, educators and, and schools ordering the book, and I'm <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. Um, and then on my end, I also have a supply of books and I, you know, I just kind of posted on Facebook like, hey, I published this book if anybody's interested. And and I now have a store in Regina stocking it, a store in Swift Current. Um, I have someone distributing books for me in Moose Jaw, Saskatoon. And personally, just sort of like out of the back of my car, I've, I've sold over 200 copies already. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it was just, I just got it in my hands, well, I think a month ago today. It came into my hands a month ago today. And and so, and then I, I did an interview yesterday and, and my social media blew up. <laughs> I was like trying to teach and I could see my phone in the corner. And of course, I, I don't, you know, I wasn't going to look at it. But I after school, I was like, holy, I have all these messages to answer now. So it's it's been really wonderful. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Kendall, I think the most important question is, what does Ben think of all this? <laughs> Being kind of the well, inspiration. <laughs> and so now 13. Cover, yeah. yeah, if you've seen the cover, that represents my husband, Mike, and myself, and, and our son, Ben, and our two puppies, uh, Copper and Nia. And um, when we did the illustration, um, you know, Ben is 13 now, but at the time that I wrote it, he was two. And so we've, we've um, the image of him is as he was when it was written when he was little. And so, he, you know, I think as a, as a teenager, I, I'm not sure he quite grasps that, like, he's on the cover of a book that has been published and yeah. people are purchasing. And, and But, you know, he's been a part of the process all the way along and he's watched it unfold. And, and I know someday he'll look back and, and be like, wow, that was that was something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And something that uh, 
you know, many families will enjoy, uh, you know, generation after generation. I know that's the way it was growing up on the farm. We had, we had books, and then my kids came along and went to the grandparents and read the same books. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's really fun to think about the fact that this book could be sitting on someone's shelf and then moving to another family member's shelf and, and kind of being part, yeah. of, part of that history of, of farming in the province. That's really, really yeah. cool. Last night I got home from work and I was answering all these messages that had come through the day and, and I was addressing books to people who were sending them. They said, "My I have grandkids in San Francisco and Vancouver. I'd like to send them each a copy. And I have a relative that said, could you mail one down to Nashville for us? We'd love to have one. And I've sent one, a copy to Iceland. And they're going all over the world. Like, I can't even believe it. Regina, uh, there's a store in Regina that's opening up in the airport. It's going to be in the airport. So I, I love oh, the great. idea that that book is going to hop on planes and go all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations, Kendall. You know, a labor of love, obviously. I think it, the labor was the time frame. Obviously, it didn't take you long to write the story, but um, it, it's a process. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, watching the evolution of it from really a poem that was called a combine story to, you know, a published book with our family represented. And, and if, when you see the book, you know, we worked really hard to represent farms all over the province, not just ours. There's a couple, you know, there's a couple moments where you'll see my family, but we really pushed hard so that every kid who opened the book would go, Oh, I've seen a a green combine and a red combine. And I've, you know, there's, there's women driving combines. There's all colors of equipment. There's farms with trees and without trees and there's farms, represented in there that you know canola fields and wheat fields and i just wanted everyone in the province to see a snapshot of their own um geography kendall you mentioned uh, a few of the places uh that are selling the book now so for anyone maybe the simplest way to get our hands on a book would be so if you're in regina the store that has uh, the book is called Brick and Mortar. I believe it's on Dudney. Um, I do have a contact in Moose Jaw, though it's not in stores yet. Um, in Swift Current, it will be at the Phil Market. Um, they're a great little shop owned by two friends of mine, the Phil Market. Um, and then, of course, uh, you can search me up on Facebook, Kendall Wicks, and um, just reach out to me directly. I'm, I'm happy to mail wherever you need. Perfect. Thanks so much for your time, Kendall, and congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Kendall Wicks is the author of a new book called A Harvest Story. And here are some of the agriculture stories from the week of October 24, 2022. CN Rail reported it set a new weekly grain movement record earlier in the month. Grain shipments for the week of October 16th reached 806,000 tons, exceeding the previous record of over 50,000 metric tons. The record follows CN's second-best September ever for grain movement from Western Canada, with over 2.64 million tons moved to market. Chief Marketing Officer Doug McDonald said CN will continue delivering results for Canadian farmers and all customers. Revenue and profits just rose for CP Rail, powered in part by Potash. The Calgary-based company reported a third-quarter profit of $891 million, up from $472 million last year. Revenue increased 19% to $2.3 billion. CP said potash revenue was up 48%.
Amid October snowfall provided some much needed moisture across the grain belt. Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan President Ian Boxall, who farms in the northeast part of the province, said it had been an extremely dry fall, which was great for taking the crop off, but that moisture is needed. He said there was about two inches of snow in his area, and he said it would melt and get absorbed quickly. The National Farmers Union is pleased with the changes to the Canadian Grain Commission's Grain Grading Dispute Resolution Service. Formerly called Subject to Inspectors Grade and Dockage, the new Final Quality Determination Regulations will go into effect for farmers to benefit from the changes with this fall's harvest. NFU Marketing and Transportation Committee Chair Cam Goff says CGC's authority to enforce grade and dockage through binding determination in the event of a dispute provides farmers with a power-balancing force against companies that are in a position to unfairly downgrade and discount grain delivered to the country elevator. The Nature Conservancy of Canada announced a $6.9 million campaign to save a very distinctive landscape near Waterton Lakes National Park in southern Alberta. The 16-hectare property, called the Yarrow, is near the hamlet of Twin Butte. NCC said the property features grasslands, wetlands, creeks and mixed forests and includes 27 wildlife species of provincial or national significance. Over $13 million has been raised towards the $20 million goal, and NCC is now turning to the public for help. The Brandt Group of Companies partnered with John Deere Foundation Canada to support communities impacted by Hurricane Fiona. The $100,000 donation will go to the Canadian Red Cross, who provide direct support of communities through Atlantic Canada hit by the storm September 24th and 25th. Hurricane Fiona was a powerful tropical cyclone that was the most expensive natural disaster in Canadian history. Brad has 13 branch locations in the affected area, serving hundreds of local customers that are actively working on the recovery. And the country celebrated World Pasta Day. Cereals Canada is encouraging all Canadians to celebrate our internationally renowned Durham wheat. Prairie-grown Canada Western Amber Durham accounts for over half of the world's Durham exports. Over the last five years, over 23 million tonnes of Canadian Durham were exported to 49 countries, including Morocco, Algeria, Italy, the United States, Peru and Japan. Its superior yellow pigmentation, high-protein content, good gluten quality and semolina yield make it prized wheat for pasta. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.